Hello and welcome to the Trail Podcast. My name is Matthew Werdenham and I'm a physiotherapist working alongside the Trail team here in Melbourne. On this week's episode of the podcast, we are speaking with Assistant Professor and Dr. Rich Willey. Prior to working at the University of Montana, Rich received his PhD in Biomechanics and Movement Science from the University of Delaware. In addition to being a researcher, Rich has been a clinician for over 20 years and is, without a doubt, one of the world leads in the management of the injured runner. Rich, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the Trail Podcast today. Uh, Thanks a lot, Matthew. That's quite the uh, introduction. So (laughs) thanks so much. It's uh, very, very, I'm very humbled, but thank you very much for having me on. Rich, I'm a little bit interested in learning a little bit more about you. How did you first get into running? Oh, uh, personally, let's see. Oh, I've been a runner. I started running, I think, when I was in eighth grade or seventh grade or so. So I kind of always did it. Uh, I was a swimmer growing up, and but I, I really liked being outside, and I missed that part from being a swimmer. So I would, you know, always spend typically a lot of my summers running. Then as I got older, I kind of started to kind of split between running and swimming a little bit more. And then I got into triathlons quite a bit. And then, uh, you know, swimming has kind of fallen by the wayside and uh, I still ride my bike quite a bit. But running is that that one kind of constant uh, in my life for the most part, except when I've been injured. And yeah, it's just a real efficient way to exercise. And, and for me, it's really good for my head as well. I feel like I get, you know, just really feel refreshed after, after running. So it's, it's been something that I've, I've done for a long time and, you know, clinically it's, uh, that's the main population that I treat, uh, as well. And I think being a runner and, you know, running is, is an important activity for me as well. I think that really helps me relate to, to the patients that I see. And I hope that that some of the advice I give them because of that background of mine, you know, resonates well with them. How has the way that you've run changed over the last couple of years? It only takes a, a couple of clicks on the zoom out feature of Google Maps to recognize that you are surrounded by mountains in Missoula. I know that you haven't always lived in Montana. So how has your running changed over the last couple of years? Oh, that's a great question. I used to live uh, where it was very flat and hot for a good part of the year. And that was in North Carolina and the U.S. I'm, I'm actually originally from the mountains. I'm from Colorado and my family moved back out west, out to Montana. Uh, so we could be in the mountains again. And it's just, uh, it's an environment that we just really enjoy a lot. So, however, when we moved here, I, I kind of, um, you know, Missoula, the town I live in is, is a runner's paradise. I have some just amazing running trails. It's very close to our house. And uh, so when we moved here, I kind of uh, committed some of the, the easy training errors. I think a lot of us tend to do maybe when we get a little bit excited about running in a new place or training for an event. And I increased my volume a little bit too quickly and started running a lot more in, in the hills with a, with a lot of incline. And, and so I ended up getting a couple of injuries. And so I've, I've kind of have learned that you know, you know, I'm, I'm also older too. And so that has changed my approach as well. So yeah, I tend to really think a lot about how much hill work I'm doing because that, for me, that seems to be the thing that I get injured doing the most. 
more more so than adding distance or even running speed or like increasing running speed doesn't seem to bother me as much as the going up and down hills a lot. How interesting. And and you said a little bit earlier that that your experience as a runner really has shaped your approach to, to clinical practice. Do you think that, that your experience as a runner has also changed your approach to research and some of the research questions that you have and have answered? Yeah, definitely. You know, I had a, I had a, a pretty serious hip injury about eight years ago. And so I had what was diagnosed uh, at the time as femoracetabular impingement and also known as FAI. And so for, for those who aren't familiar with that, uh, it depends, it has a couple different presentations. Um, it can have a, a, a torn labrum, which is the cartilage around your hip socket. Uh, it can also involve kind of a misshapen uh, head of your femur or your thigh bone, right where the, the ball part goes into the socket of that, of that hip joint. And, you know, at the time when I had this injury, I was having some hip pain that kind of continued to get worse. I was, I had been training for a couple marathons. And so at the time, the, the, the treatment approach was to have surgery for that. And my background is in biomechanics and in biomechanics, we study how people move and movement patterns. And we think that, uh, at least we used to think that how someone was put together or their structure and also their movement mechanics had a lot to do with why people uh, got injured. So uh, I ended up having uh, surgery for this this FAI femoracetabular impingement syndrome, and uh, you know I got over I recovered from the surgery. The, sur- the surgery for me I was at least for me it, was, it felt very traumatic. It was I was not able to run for a while, and and when I went back to start running again, well that that deep hip pain that I had before the surgery just came back, and it, and it seemed like that surgery really didn't really didn't make any difference at all. And so for me, that was really perplexing and, and it made me really kind of reconsider, uh, and really kind of question some of my own science that I was doing. And, and I, I, I began to realize that, you know, how we, how we move and, you know, I started looking at the research and doing some of my, our own research as well, that it, it seemed to be that it wasn't, it didn't matter so much how we move, but more so like how we build up into a, a certain amount of running that we're doing. And also I, the other thing too I learned was that supplemental training can play a, a really important role in keeping us healthy. And for me, that's weight training. And I, I do a lot of weight training and, and I, I find that weight training and really so resistance training so doing that and and really being very careful with how i'm increasing my training loads seems to be the the most beneficial thing for myself and it also seems to be one of the things that really helps the patients that i see in our clinic the most as well thanks for sharing that rich that's really eye-opening and it's really great to hear that clinicians and, and researchers are, uh, are not immune to to some of the injuries that the general population are affected by. Oh yeah, no, for that, with that injury, I couldn't run for two years. And when we think about running injuries, people typically don't say I'm a person who runs, they call themselves a runner. And, you know, and so you self-identify as a runner, which means a, a large part of yourself is, you know, determined by what, what, by what you do. And if, because I couldn't run, I kind of felt like I had a, a loss of some sense of self. 
And so I, because of that, I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I've got a PhD in running injuries, you know, and I'm a physical therapist at a PT treating runners for 15, 20 years. So you think I would, I would know better, but at the same time, like, it's just an irresistible urge to get back after an injury, getting back to what you were doing before, getting back to feeling like myself again. And one of the things I found was that the more that I kind of let maybe that emotional decision-making factor into my recovery, the, the more difficult it was for me to actually get back to running. And so that's one of the things I was a really big, important step for me. And I, and one of the things I, I take back to my patients is, you know, try to separate your sense of self from, from the activity that you want to do, find other things that will kind of check that box for you emotionally. And, and for me, that was, you know, starting to get back into riding my bike a lot. And, and so that was very helpful. So I, I focused on, you know, making the cycling, my, my, what I would get my physical fitness from when I was recovering from this injury. And then the running that I was doing, I would only look at it as a loading activity to just kind of very progressively increase and, and not look at, running when I would go out for a run, not look at it as anything more than just trying to run maybe a couple minutes longer. And, and once I started doing that and getting very objective with the amount of time that I was running, it seemed like uh, that really kind of changed a lot of things for me. And so I, I relate that a lot to the patients that, that I treat is, you know, use some sort of timer that will make it so that no matter how good you're feeling, uh, when you're recovering from an injury, you only run what's what's been prescribed for the day, and don't don't think, "Oh, I'm really feeling good today, so I'm going to go a little bit extra." Try to stick with the return to run schedule, and uh, and trust in that process, and live in the moment. Don't worry about trying to get back to who you were a year ago, or three months ago, or, or two years ago, and uh, focus on your function that day. And I I think that when when people do that, I think that people you know runners that I work with tend to have a smoother return to the amount of running that they were doing before they had that injury. That must have been a, a really difficult time for you, Rich. And it sounds like you managed it really well, at least in retrospect. It, it's great that you can look back and, and identify how you went about it and how important it was for you to really look at things from an objective lens, almost you know, remove yourself and some of the emotion from the situation. As a self-identified runner, cycling and walking and and swimming probably doesn't cut it. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of about eighty-five percent of that satisfaction I get from from running. So, it, but it was a lot better than not doing anything. So, um, and again, I think that gets back to like kind of living in the moment. And and uh, I, I think when I was like, well, this is this is pretty good. This is better than not doing anything. I think once I kind of settled in on that, that was that was really really quite helpful. So, but those are some of the things that when I when I, I work with runners, I, I think too. The other thing that I in the past, I didn't spend as much time with the runners that I treated on designing a, a, a kind of a customized return to run program for them. Um, I wouldn't put much thought into it. Um, but now I kind of realized that that's actually the most important phase of rehabilitation is that gradual return to activity because if you just cut a runner loose at the end of physical therapy, they're going to go back. And we know that most, you know, most, if not all running injuries are the result of a training load error, which is when someone has, when they do more than what they've kind of trained their bodies to tolerate. And if you've been off running or your running volume has been kind of low for a while because you've been dealing with an injury and you suddenly rush back in, well, you're 
basically committing another training error. And that's how we that that's why we think that a lot of people end up getting into this kind of persistently injured state where they're they're always dealing with some sort of injury and um, it might move around a little bit and to different structures. But in, the main reason for that is that the, the root cause, which is the training load error, is, is still happening. And so that's where the, the counseling part on training loads is so very important when we're talking with our runners when they're getting back to their activities. And based on the injury that the person has, that advice might be quite a bit different. So for instance, with uh, with Achilles tendon injury, we know that people who are recovering from Achilles tendon injury, they need to be really careful with adding speed work back in. They also need to be really careful with running, uh, with doing a lot of uphill running because we know those things are gonna be very stressful on the Achilles tendon. For the patellofemoral joint or your kneecap, we know that running downhill can be really stressful on the kneecap. And so we tend to try to reduce that, the amount of downhill running that people do early, early during that return to run process. And I think if you can kind of think about it from that angle, you can really help a runner get back to running a little bit more smoothly uh, and, and reduce some of the stress um, that can be involved when people start feeling some, some of their, their pain from their old injury uh, coming back. Now, Rich, you mentioned capacity and improvement of capacity. Is running or prescription of running the only way that we can improve capacity? Or are there, are there other modalities like strength and conditioning that you frequently use with your patients? Yeah, you know, strengthening is a, is, is a really powerful supplemental training tool that I think almost all runners, if not all runners, should be doing. And the reason for that is that because the load is delivered kind of slowly, but it's very heavy, um, the certain structures are under tension for a long period of time. So your Achilles tendon is receiving a lot of load for a long period of time. And what ends up happening is that it doesn't take very many repetitions uh, to get a very nice tissue response or the tendon's going to get a lot stronger with just going to the weight room a few times a week. And, and, and in fact, what we see is that if you do a strength training program for two to three months, we see much uh, faster improvements in tendon strength than if we were to only do running. And in fact, even after running for six, seven, eight months, we hardly see any changes in tendon structure whatsoever. And what I, what I mean by changes, I mean beneficial changes. And when we typically think of a stiffer tendon as being a tendon that can kind of, it's a more resilient tendon, even though I think a lot of times people might identify that as being that stiffness is not a good thing. We, we actually think of that as a, a very good thing when it comes to tendons, because we think about our tendons as being like a rubber band and uh, a stiffer rubber band can store and release energy more efficiently. And, uh, and bone is the same way too. So we see that uh, when you uh, when, when you run, running is actually a very boring activity for bone. Uh, it doesn't respond very well to running at all. But when we do heavy strength training or even like some jumping activities, those kinds of loads exceed what bone would normally experience during running. But the repetitions are quite low. And as, as a result, we get a really nice increase in bone strength, but we don't get the wear and tear because the repetitions are so low that we would typically see or associate with going on a long distance run. And that's why we don't see injuries like bone stress injuries or bone stress fractures in weightlifters, but we do see very strong bones in that sporting population. 
How interesting. I, I'd never considered weightlifters as, as a population that could sustain a bone stress injury, but now it very much makes sense why they wouldn't be a population that would experience a bone stress injury because of those almost supramaximal loads. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it is supramaximal. And, and, that, and that's kind of what you want to think about when you're doing some supplemental training. I think oftentimes when we think about weight training, you know, you're like, well, I'm a runner, so I need to be training for endurance. So I'm going to do high repetition weight, weightlifting, 15, 20, 25 repetitions. But the reality of it is, is if you want to do a high repetition activity, just go out for a run. What you should do is you know, take the time that you're going to spend in the weight room and make it kind of a polar opposite of what your typical activity level is or your typical activities are. So running is a high repetition activity where the loads aren't very high on our bones and tendons, but they are very there's a lot of cumulative load there. So instead, when you go into the gym, what you should do is think about lifting very heavy weights that are going to be put greater forces on your musculoskeletal system that we would typically experience when we run, but make the repetitions much lower. And by doing that, your cumulative load on the person is much less. And so your chances of developing an injury become much less. So we basically end up getting a bigger and better tissue response in the weight room than we would with running without the risk of that cumulative wear and tear that we would typically experience during running. And by doing that, what you then do is you kind of develop this tissue tolerance reserve, if you will, where you've got that extra reserve where when you're running, you're not ever like going into that reserve. And so you've always got that there in case you do happen to make a training load error. Maybe you go out one day and you, you go for a run that's a little bit further than what you've used to, you're, that you're used to doing. Well, you've got that extra reserve in your, in your tissue strength that you've developed through your hard work in the gym lifting weights. Rich, before we let you go, could you please provide our listeners with three easy tips to manage their load and ultimately their capacity to run? Yeah, I think that I think the first thing that I would do would be to don't make running your only activity that you do. Go into the gym twice a week, pick out half a dozen weightlifting exercises, not more than that. Exercises that focus on your calf muscles, exercises that focus on your, your quadricep muscles or the, your thigh muscles, and also exercises that focus on your hip extensors or your gluteal muscles. And don't make it very complicated. So just do that twice a week. Work on lifting heavier weights. Work on lifting weights that you can't lift more than six, seven, or eight repetitions. And just do, just do a couple sets of each exercise. So keep the weightlifting kind of simple, kind of boring, but keep it heavy. Another thing that you can do as far as from a training load aspect is when you are increasing your training load, only change one thing at a time. So don't increase your running mileage or running volume at the same time that you're increasing speed work. So uh, each week, only add one thing in. So if you're going to start increasing how, how much distance you're running in a week, try to resist the urge to add more intervals also or, or start adding interval training into your workout. Uh, and certainly don't do those two things in the same day. Don't add, don't add more volume of intervals uh, and more vol and more intervals all on the same day because that's going to be a really a really big uh, recipe for disaster. And I think then the other thing uh, to do is to program into your calendar 
every two to three weeks, a week where you cut back on your overall training volume by, you know, 20 to 30 or maybe even 40% of what you were doing the week before. And then resume that and build back up because we know if we're kind of constantly building uh, and our training volume, that's a great way to develop some wear and tear injuries that we kind of typically start seeing pop up as we start getting closer to like a big event, like a marathon or a half marathon. So, yeah, so I think those three would be my, my, my big take homes for, for runners. Rich, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with us. Oh, thanks a lot, Matthew. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to share it with family and friends with or without knee pain. If you're interested in learning more, head to the Latrobe Sport and Exercise Medicine Research Centre's Twitter account at Latrobe SEM. You can also find us on Facebook at Latrobe SEMRC. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you again for the next instalment of The Trail.